Hey, this is Caleb, and you are listening to the Healthcare Analytics Podcast. Behind the scenes, doing a lot of work and making a lot of changes is my teammate Tatsuya Murao. How many hours of productive work do you or your teammates do on a daily basis? That's the principle that I would like to start with in explaining a series of concepts about team building that may help you be a better leader. In taking a step back and talking about this podcast, we have done this podcast for about a year now, and so this is the first episode of the second season. And so in the second year of doing this podcast, we've learned a lot about how to deliver specific information that helps you be a better leader in analytics and in healthcare. And so as we go forward, we're going to experiment with different formats that can help explain our ideas in a different way. So if you have any feedback, feel free to reach out to me at Caleb at ArcosAnalytics.com or Todd at Todd at ArcosAnalytics. That's T-A-D at ArcosAnalytics.com. So let's go back to that original question of how many productive hours do you and your teammates spend in a given day? I did a little bit of research and according to a series of sources, some different surveys, the amount of productive hours that is spent actually doing work is between three and five hours. Inc. Magazine says that according to the surveys that they have used, that the average amount of productivity per day is about three hours a day. CNBC, on the other hand, has about a range between three and five hours because they're looking at non-productive meetings that happen during a day. And so you will see a lot of different analysis on how productive an individual really is, but the answer is probably between three and five hours and seven at the very, very highest level. Because if you think about a specific day, there is at least an hour that is spent on emails and work and breaks and whatever else. And so seven is probably the cap of an eight-hour day that is spent being productive. So what does that mean for, for you as a leader? If you are really paying for or you think you are getting eight hours worth of work and are really only getting three and sometimes even two hours of really good work, what that means is that You have unutilized energy. Let's just call it energy. You have unutilized energy that could be used in different ways. And I'll give an example from my personal experience and other friends that are in different industries. When I started my career, I worked in financial planning and analysis, and I was specifically building reports for salespeople and for financial directors across their organization. And so what I figured out really quickly was, oh, what's really needed is just to do these manual reports on every other day or every week, and I can just run these reports and spit them out because that's the most productive thing that I can do. So what I did was I tried to make this work as efficiently as possible so I could spend time on other things, right? And that's a very, very common thing is when you enter a role, you think, okay, how can you make things better? How can you make things more efficient, right? And so that's what I was doing. I was using macros and I was using 
really cool Excel functions and whatever else so that I could cut my time that I was spent building these out-of-the-box reports from spending three hours on it or four hours on it a day to 20 minutes. And I got really, really good at doing that. And that's how I developed my skill set in finance and in analytics was to take a specific report or take a specific set of reports and make them more efficient to boil down the most common functions and streamline them so that it didn't take much manual work. And I was essentially back in the late 2000s, early 2010s, I was thinking about how to build algorithms in order to build things. Because before then, you had people who were spending four or five hours a day trying to manually do reports and feed data. And I was like, well, that's not going to work for the future, right? And so here we are today where there are still hundreds and maybe thousands of companies that are still doing manual Excel work. And that just bothers me because that is time that is actually spent doing productive work, but it could be done more efficiently. And going back to me early in my career, what I learned was I can take something that is supposed to be four hours long and do it in 20 minutes. And I thought, well, if nobody knows that I'm only spending 20 minutes instead of four hours on this this set of work, then I can spend my time doing other things. And so that's where I started to learn about Python and other tools that were being used in finance and analytics. But one of the things is that with that and being self-directed, I kind of tried to direct myself in different ways. And so in reality, what I did was I took work that was supposed to be six to eight hours a day and boiled it down to two to three at the very, very most. And so any other side project that came in, I'd be like, oh, okay, I can do this because I have so much time to to be able to knock it out. And so taking this to a whole nother level, I've had other friends in engineering who have done the same exact thing, that they've, they come from a legacy organization where Excel sheets and reports and PowerPoints are all done manually and they come in and they say, oh, I can do this. I can figure out how to do this all in an hour a day. And so what do they do with the next six, seven hours, right? Because their entire job description was based on doing something that was six hours and and now it can be done in one or two hours. And so you have a chunk of, let's say, six six hours worth of, of flex time worth of somebody who's really, really competent. And so if you have an organization that is very, very well structured and not flexible, then that those six hours are underutilized. And it's not that the person isn't smart enough or isn't capable of doing more work. It's that they took their entire job description and streamlined it. And in, in analytics, that's really easy to do once you understand the specific tools and specific ways that you can make things more efficient. And so in thinking about this, it can actually be true that somebody can spend three to five hours a day doing productive work. And that leads on productive work being, let's say, three to four hours a day at the very, very minimum. And so that's essentially the fundamental problem is you have individuals who are really, really efficient and get things done really, really quickly. And they can take something that's supposed to take six hours and and turn it into only doing two hours worth of work. Now, on the other hand, those are the those are your smart, lazy people. Let's call them the smart, lazy people, because that's exactly what they are. 
they are taking something that is very, very time consuming and boiling it down to a very, very well-defined time. So they're taking something that was supposed to take six hours and only doing it in two hours and making things more efficient. So those are your smart, lazy people. And you know who they are in your organization. Okay, so there are the smart, lazy people, but there are also the lazy, lazy people, or sometimes they're the ones who have a lot of work, but they get it done very, very slowly because let's say they're spread out. And so this could be your middle manager who has six to 10 meetings a day that are an hour, 45 minutes to an hour long. They can't fit all those meetings in the day. And on top of that, they have other technical work that they have to do on top of their meetings. And so it's not to see that they're lazy, but they're being strung out in all these things and think they're very productive, but the actual productivity of work is actually very, very little. And I've met many people in many different industries, including healthcare, engineering, um, finance, where their middle manager who is stuck in between communicating with different departments and their day-to-day lives are spent in meetings. That's all that they do. And so they can't take a step back and say, okay, now how do I think about things strategically? How do I do planning? How do I actually lead my team, etc.? And so I'm not saying that they're necessarily lazy, but what they're doing is they're filling their day with meetings where real productive work isn't really being done and real deep thinking isn't being done about how to actually move their team or organization to the next level. So you have those two categories of people, but you also have a wide span of of different people and I can go into specific people and how they underutilize time, etc., But that's the specific problem is how do you increase the productivity of your teammates and those in your organization without burning them out so that they feel like things are fresh and real and that they can actually make a difference in their work. So if we have those specific problems about underutilized time, how do we overcome them? Well, here are a few different ideas that you can utilize in your work about increasing the productivity of your team without straining their abilities or without burning them out. And I'll start with one fundamental concept and use this fundamental concept throughout the entire section. And it's this, think about activities instead of roles. Many times somebody says, oh, that's not my role. That's not in my job description. I can't do that. That's not my deal. And so they don't do it and they stick to what they do. But if you start to orient your team around activities and say, hey, these are the activities that need to be done. Who can accomplish these activities? Then it's something different altogether because it it may not fit into somebody's specific role, but they may have an interest in completing that activity. So when you start to think about activities, then you can start to think about ways to form projects around specific activities. And so if you are undergoing a new analytics project, for example, and you're using new data that you need to crunch and you need to understand, then you can package that up into a little project and say, okay, I have this little project that I have that I need done. Who wants to accomplish this project and who has the capacity to do so? 
And so in that way, you can think about activities as a way of growing the capacity of your team, growing the ability and growing the skill set of the specific team that you are leading. So once you start to think about activities, then you can start to think about forming teams in a way that works around specific activities instead of specific roles. In most organizations, it's based on roles. So for example, you'll have a finance department and that finance department has a specific role and you will have an accounting department and that accounting department will have a specific role. You'll have an operation department and you'll have whatever else. And those are specific roles where people are sitting in, right? And so They'll have a role within that organization where suppose if you have somebody within accounting, then maybe they do payroll or something of that sort. But if you have somebody in in the finance department, then they are only set to do things in finance. But one of the things with these siloed organizations is that you don't have much crossover, right? And so you have activities that fall through the cracks. And so suppose you have a project that is involved in analytics, but is also looking at it's also looking at accounting data, right? And so where does that sit? Does that sit with the accounting team? Does it sit with the finance team? Do you have a side analytics team? And so different activities and different projects fall through the cracks and nobody really takes responsibility. And so if you think about activities, then what you can do is you can present these activities as opportunities for somebody to grow and for individuals to grow within your team and within your organization. And this is related to another concept called team formation and cross-training, right? So when you form a team, what are the underlying expectations? Or when you bring somebody onto your team and or organization, what are their expectations? And so a typical set of expectations is, hey, your role is to create reports on a weekly and daily basis. And, And fundamentally, going back to the beginning of this episode, that was essentially my role was, hey, all you have to do is produce these reports on these specific days. And I said, okay, gotcha. I can take something that somebody thinks is six hours long and take it into two. And then the rest of my time is gravy, right? The rest of my time I can do whatever I want with. But but the thing is, is that with that, then, then as a leader, you are underutilizing those six hours because it's not like that person is in a specific role is pushing their limits. They're just doing things as best as possible so that they can have more free time. And so if you think about having roles that are more flexible within your team, then you can say something like this, as you can say, ah, your role is to create these reports, but I also have a different set of projects that I'm going to do throughout the year that may increase your skill set. And that is very, very enticing because most people who are working in and around different organizations want to increase their skill set and want to increase their ability. Because if not, why are they there in the first place? If they're not ambitious, if they don't have the self-determination to be able to do more, then why are they there? Why are they on your team? And so if you have go-getters who say, oh yes, I have a specific set of core responsibilities, but I also am interested in this, this, and this, then you can say, oh, I have activities that can fill those specific roles. And so it's a dialogue between you and your team or you and your teammates about what activities they want to take on and not. And in that way, your team can, instead of being a static team, it can be a living, breathing organism that can take on projects. 
and you as a teammate can actually gain a good reputation for leading teammates who started with very little skill sets in a specific area and grew their skill sets so that they were the most competent that they could be and sometimes very competent within their organization. So if you are focused on specific activities and you make your team flexible, then you can utilize other other things such as cross-training. So suppose you have somebody in your team that has a specific skill set, but they also want to gravitate and, and learn about different other skill sets within your organization that you need. And so you can start with cross-training and say, hey, I know you want to learn about this then you should go and you should talk to that person or you should find the resources to actually bridge that gap because you learning these things and you cross-training can actually help us increase our capability in our team or organization. And this cross-training can be done in a lot of different ways. You can find somebody within your organization who has those skill sets that you want to, to learn from. The other way is to gather materials that can help them self-learn and self-direct. And the third is just to bring another team in like Arcos Analytics. You can bring us in for a specific time. We can do a specific project or help cross train the individuals who want to learn something new in analytics or data management, etc. And cross training is really useful as a tool within your team and organization. But I would like to give you one last idea that you can implement as a leader in healthcare analytics. And it's simply this. It's an idea that is what I'm calling a flex team. And so think about it this way. Is think about a specific project that comes from, let's say, the executive team. And the executive team says, hey, this year we want to do this. We want to make this more efficient. We want to do this. We have this specific initiative. And so everybody within uh, the organization says, okay, now how do we do it? And one of the things that you can do is you can create a flex team. And I'm calling it a flex team because what you can do is you can grab individuals from different departments or different roles and combine them in a way to create a temporary team to solve a specific problem that needs to be solved. And so with these flex teams, you can form these different flex teams around different initiatives and they can actually utilize their specific skill sets in specific ways. They can use the project to grow, but they can also deliver on something unique that you don't have before. And one specific example would be, hey, what we want to do is we want to have a combination team that analyzes data from new customer information. And so you'd have to bring the specific individuals together to create that specific flex team. And this flex team would work on this project alongside of their normal roles, right? And so if they have an allocation of, let's say, two to three hours a day that they can spend on this flexible project, then the rest of their time is spent on doing actual work. And so if you build these flex teams in the best way possible, then you can increase your capability as a leader because you can tap into resources that weren't available to you within your specific team. And you can also partner with other individuals within your organization to accomplish new and cutting edge things and or solutions. And this is how a flex team could be formed. You would have individuals on that team who are technically competent. And so if you need technical competence, then you can know exactly who to go to who has those skill sets. 
But beyond that technical competence, sometimes there is intangible things that are needed for the project to succeed. And sometimes that could be an individual within the organization who has a deep knowledge base about a specific area. So suppose they have a deep knowledge base about sales or a deep knowledge base about customer management or systems management, where these individuals don't need to apply a specific technical skill set, but they can provide insights that those technical individuals don't have. And so what you're doing is you're marrying top-down knowledge of knowledge that has just been gained over years of experience and technical knowledge about know-how and execution. And once you bring those two kinds of people together, then they can form a team and they can actually accomplish something. On that team, you probably need somebody who can also pull strings or pull resources from the organization in order to accomplish things that are on the fringes, right? And so if you have a leader who can pull in resources that they need and you have technical experts who can accomplish that thing and you have individuals with a deep knowledge base, then you can actually accomplish a lot more than you otherwise would have. And it's not like their normal activities aren't being done. It's just that this is augmenting their specific role. And suppose the project is only a three-week, four-week, maybe two-month-long project, but within that specific sprint, they can accomplish a lot. And once that specific project is done and it's handed off to a specific team, etc., then they can take their specific experience within that flex team and apply that to their own immediate team or their own role. And going full circle and connecting this to the specific problem is that most individuals only spend three to five hours of their workday actually producing work. But sometimes the remaining underutilized time is just wasted because It's not utilized in a way that helps them grow or the organization reach their full potential. And so what you can do is you can reorient the individuals within your team and within your organization in a way that helps them grow professionally and personally. And to do this as a leader, it's best to think about activities instead of specific roles. In this way, you can start to lead and you can say, hey, We need these specific activities done and who can do them instead of whose role is this or whose job is this and being inflexible about that specific activity. The second thing is that if you form your teams in a flexible way, then you can build in a specific capability for something that you didn't know you needed. And so, for example, if you have somebody within a specific role, you can say, hey, I need an allocation of, let's say, three to four hours a day towards specific activities. And so you can begin to build your team in a flexible way that allows for new ideas and new projects to be accomplished. The third is cross-training. Cross-training can help because it can help individuals learn new skills, but also improve their professional lives. And so they can get experience professionally that will make them more valuable in the future. They will be more valuable to themselves, but also be more valuable to you as a leader and to your organization. And cross-training and individual training doesn't go to waste because that individual can then take that training and help you as a leader 
improve your abilities. The third is this idea of a flex team, a temporary team that gets put together in order to accomplish a specific goal. And these flex teams can help because they can combine a series of skill sets into one specific team in order to accomplish something that is on the cutting edge or hasn't been done before. And these flex teams can be formed in many different ways and can be utilized in order to accomplish those stretch goals that seem impossible but doable when you have the right people in the right room. And what you are trying to do is you're, you are trying as a leader to increase the ability of your specific teammates and those within your organization to be more engaged. And this is a popular term right now about employee engagement, but what it fundamentally means is that an individual feels like they are in a state of flow on a day-to-day basis. And there have been times in my life where my work has felt like it's been in a state of flow and sometimes where it's been just a drudgery. And early in my career when I was working in analytics and or finance and I was taking something that was supposed to be done in six hours and boiling it down to two, then once I did that, then then I was literally counting down the hours till I was finished with work. And I was not in a state of flow because I was not being engaged in new projects and new initiatives, that there was no room to grow because there was nothing new within my team or within my organization that needed to be done. And I know personally, I am in a state of flow when I am doing something new, something that feels engaging, something that I like to do just because I'm doing it. And at Arcos Analytics, it's a joy to me to work with those who are in that state of flow that are clicking on all cylinders and actually are doing work that is inspiring and enjoyable. And so I'll leave you with this last question is how can you help those within your team be in a state of flow and utilize the time that they use at work in a better way? If you have any questions about team formation, cross-training, building a flex team, or anything else involving healthcare or analytics, then feel free to reach out. You can find us at arcosanalytics.com. You can also find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later.